the Kevin Blackcast this week. I'm your host, Christian Blatt. And as you know, the Blackcast is spelled B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. And we're at Blackcast.com, The Blackcast on Facebook, and at Blackcast on Twitter. Uh, joined by Kevin Blatt, yes. spelled differently. No relation. No relation. B-L-A-T-T. Yeah. But based upon our music uh, preferences yeah. and uh, pop culture stuff that we enjoy... We should be brothers. Yes, right, exactly. I, I think it's, uh, you know, just somewhere along the way, paperwork got misfiled. It's yeah. the same family, but somebody spelled it wrong at some point. You know, like my my friend, my friend John, his last name is Pet, P-E-T-T-A. P, sorry, P-E-T-T-E. His great, no, I think his great-grandfather came over from Italy. Uh-huh. Their last name was Peta, with uh-huh. an A. But in Ellis Island, he spelled it, sounded like an E, so all of a sudden his last name is P-E-T-T-E. Sounds like a lot of heavy petting. Yeah. <laughs> It does. And that's why we ring the, the bell. bell. Ring that's the bell. why we ring the bell. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, Kevin, I've known you. I was thinking about it. I think it's about five years now because we mm-hmm. have a mutual friend, Katie right. Darrell. Katie Darrell, past Blackcast guest, right? Past host of World's Greatest Tribute Bands mm-hmm. on Access TV, and now is the show called the Top Ten? It's the Top Ten Revealed. Uh, yeah, Top Ten Revealed. Yeah. Access TV. I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm a talking head. You're on a regular it. on it. Well, I, I was a regular. Now they've got really big stars, so they don't Uh-oh. need me anymore. <laughs> okay. I think they're phasing out of the. D-lebrities, as I like to call them. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a D-lebrity. So now they have, like, um, Kevin Cronin from Mario Speedwagon. They've got D. Snyder. They've got Eddie Money. What do those guys have that you don't? They have a lot of money. Well, Eddie does. And I they mean, have, it's in his name. They so. have music royalties. That's true. Yes. Yeah, which, you know, there's still time, you know. You could still write something. All I need is one hit song. I could That's be like a... Rick Dees, right, and do Disco Duck oh, and be God. set for life. If we could all be Rick Dees. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so I met you there, and, uh, you know, we were... Uh, we were always lucky enough to be the uh, the VIP section sure. of the world's greatest tribute bands, which involved drink tickets and then ultimately drink tickets singular. But still, yeah. fun times. It was a great show. And the, the uh, tickets plural came in, in handy for my ex fiance. <laughs> she enjoyed drinking a lot. I, I do remember seeing yeah. her there, and yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, when I would bring the the guys that uh, I do the broadcast with, my friends from uh, the the old Dennis Miller radio show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the uh, drink tickets were the. Who, who's it a tribute band to? Ah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't we'll, just, matter. we'll just call them. It's ABBA. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I, no, you know, I was going to say I went to that one, but I didn't. I went to a few that I was surprised uh, yeah. at, you know, I mean, at how good the uh, the tributes were. You know, I mean, it was, of course, you know, for me, like a, a big one was Kiss. The Aerosmith one was great. But then, you know, there would be like, there was like a Johnny Cash. I think the best one that we saw was the Prince one. Did you the go to pr- Prince? The Prince one, I actually, I was on the wrong coast, so I the missed that The Purple Rain, yeah. that guy was phenomenal. I later saw that band at uh, in Hermosa Beach. There's a uh-huh. band called St. Rock. And uh, yeah, I saw like a, a full show and they were great. You know? Funny enough, my, uh, my ex at the time says to me, I know that guy. Said, the guy you, who's Prince? Yeah, I said, how do you know him? And she goes, he used to work security at um, Sears in oh. Las Vegas. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I knew a guy who used to, like, let's just say he would make stuff go out the back door. Uh. And he was the security guard that would overlook it and basically yeah. turn turn his cheek and basically <laughs> say, okay, well, whatever. So I thought that was funny. We came up to him afterwards. We said, hey, do you work as a security guard at Sears in Vegas? And the guy flipped out. <laughs> Like, how did you know that? Yeah, he's like, no, I'm Prince. Like, you're not really Prince. <laughs> now, when you get to pretend to be Prince, you should also uh, get to have, you know, how he always has the guys who, like, speak for him. Right. Uh, Prince would like you to keep walking or, right. the, you know, Prince Prince thinks that uh, it should be a little bit brighter in here. But. Actually, I had met Prince uh, in San Diego. They did an after party at a place called Cane's, which is no longer there. And um, Was it on the beach? It was on the beach yeah, by the there. roller yeah, coaster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, my friend goes, hey, you should come after he plays at uh, the Remac Arena, which was um, UCSD. Oh, right. 1.30 in the morning, he shows up. He's this tall. And there's literally 
maybe 50 people in the venue. He comes on stage and takes all the instruments. The band comes and takes the instruments away from this acid jazz band called The Price of Dope. <laughs> and they start jamming. Then afterwards, I go in the back and I go to be introduced to him. And my friend says to me, do not call him Prince. He's going by the artist formerly known oh, as. Oh, this is during that time period. Okay. He says, and do not make eye contact with him. I've heard that. And I Definitely said, okay. Yeah. I walk backstage. I look at him. And the first thing I said, oh, Prince, it is such an honor to meet you. You're <laughs> such an idol of mine. And he just looked at me and it was like, he went like this. He looked at this guy and went like that. And I got the holy heave ho. Oh, hey, yeah. you know what? It's sort of a better story to get kicked out of meeting Prince than yeah. to actually get to meet him. Although, you know, it would be great if you had the selfie at this point. And then the next greatest <clears throat> Prince uh, story I have is when I went to the Palladium for his secret show with right. Too Short, who's my partner on my podcast. Yeah, which we'll talk about in a minute. And sure. uh, Too Short and I are sitting in the VIP area. We had to finagle our way in there because we didn't have tickets. Um, we bought general admission, but then right. Short looked at me being that he's my age yeah. and we have arthritis now at 50. We're like, you know... I can't stand for four and a half hours. Can yeah. you get us in a VIP section? Next thing I know, I'm sitting and they bring Bobby Brown and Ralph Tresvant to come sit with us. <laughs> it was the most moronic evening I've ever seen in my life. But fun? Yeah. Five hours, five and a half hours. He, uh, played. he played. He actually played that long. Yeah, it was daylight savings time, so they kept the Palladium open uh, another hour. But he played until close to four o'clock in the morning. Wow. Yeah, and it was. It was. No, was it one of those shows where the lights were down low, so you, you, people couldn't really see him on the stage? Oh no, or? it was a party. Was he a, had about fifty-five people on stage. I would say probably sixteen of them were a horn section. Wow. Dougie Fresh was the DJ. Of course, we got he was. there at eight o'clock. They told us to be there at eight o'clock, which. I, uh, no offense to you, Too Short. Too Short's never on time, right? <laughs> Short gets there at 8 p.m. that night. We start drinking at the well next door. Oh, yeah, sure. And we were half in the bag by the time we even got to the Palladium at 8 o'clock. Prince didn't go on stage till midnight. Oh, so man. we kept drinking and drinking <laughs> and course. drinking. And I am a lightweight, bro. So yeah. that was a night that I will never forget. Rest in peace, Prince. That was the best show I've ever seen in my life. I can't imagine. I actually never saw Prince because, uh, you know, it was a lot of those like secret shows. And then what did he do? Did he do like 20 days at the, at the Staples at Center? At the or Forum. It was at the Forum. Yeah. yeah before I they saw redid, that too. Was it before they redid the Forum, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, I just remember it was one of those like... All right, well, I'll have to figure out, you know, the, the next time around. It was always that sort of thing, and yeah. I just never actually uh, got to see him. See, I was like that with Tom Petty, and I wanted to see Tom Petty so bad at the Hollywood yeah. Bowl. And God, had I gone to that, I would have seen Tom Petty before his, he passed away. And that would have been, I think that was his last show. It was his yeah. last show. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen him in a few years. I thought about going to that show. I, I did get to see him a couple of times, uh, I guess pretty far back, uh, the Wildflowers tour. So I think that was like 95. Yeah. And I saw him a couple times after that. Uh, but... Yeah, there's there's a lot of those things, you know. It's like like I never saw Nirvana because I was a, a high school senior and it was the the weekend of our our school play. I was I I had a lead in South Pacific. Thank you very much. Oh, Bloody Mary. Uh, yeah, I should have been. I was. Uh, I I did wear a uh, coconut bra and a grass skirt though. So uh, oh, I obviously, bet you look good. You know, uh, I I didn't look bad. Let's put it this way: if if I could look like that now, I think I would probably. If I could get away <laughs> with wearing that, I, I would probably wear the coconut bra and grass skirt uh, every day. But uh, you know, it was just. One of those things is like, all right, so this is the, this is the time that I miss Nirvana. This was, right. you know, in New York, I think they played at Roseland. You know, I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll I'll see them next time. I'll probably have to spend more because they'll play the Garden or something. But uh, you know, it, there's not a lot of those, but there's a few of those where you're just like, you know, at least that wasn't one where I was like, nah, I'll go next. You know, I think like, I physically couldn't be there. But uh, yeah, there's always a there's always a lot of those. So but, before I became KB, yes. the celebrity sex tape broker, right? And, and which yeah, guy which, who does podcasts and stuff. I um I worked in Cleveland. 
right. at a music place called Peabody's Down Under. I worked for two brothers, the Siula brothers. Tony Siula now manages Marilyn Manson and the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, and uh, he mentioned uh, he managed so many different uh, artists over the years. He's now with Rob Zombie, but back then we booked Nirvana in 1990. 17 people showed up. I had never heard of this band. Right, Well, because this is before Nevermind. They had their, before their, Nevermind. They had their Bleach album out right. on Sub Pop. Bleach yeah. was out at that point. Yeah. And we had 17 people, and I said, this, these guys are no, a bunch of noise. This is garbage music. They're never going to become anything. Yeah. Three days later, we had Soundgarden. And I said, <laughs> wow, these guys are pretty good. Yeah. I bet you these guys are going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who would have ever thought? Well, I think at, at that time period, uh, Soundgarden was a, a lot further along. I mean, that first Nirvana album, there's there's a reason why those songs sound better on the Nirvana Unplugged album. Correct. Know, because they, I don't know what they did. They took a little time. They uh, the, the album is, you know, Nevermind was really well produced, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it wasn't. You know, I, as an old man, I'll just say, like, you know, Bleach is a lot of noise. You say old man. How old are you? Well, I'm 43. Okay, I'm so, 50. I'll right. be 50 in a week and a half. Oh, my God. See, we, I know. if we were doing this in a week and a half, we'd, we'd have an excuse to drink while we're talking. Well, we're going to have an excuse to drink. You're going to be invited to my party. I'm, I'm uh, sending out invites today. That'll be great. Yeah. yeah. And we're practically neighbors. And yet I, I haven't ever run into you. But uh, well, you know, fortunately, we're both right by here. I don't have kids. That's why. That's uh, that. You know what? You just nailed it. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> but you, you might see me at that new Whole Foods up the street from because that's a hell of a place. That is a hell of a place. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, you know that that whole little corner. It's it's there's the Whole Foods. There's a Chick Fil A now, and uh, Wiener Schnitzel not going anywhere. That surprises me. And Wiener I think, Schnitzel is the, that is like that was the first chain restaurant I went to when I moved to San Diego from Cleveland. Okay, I was like, what is a Wiener Schnitzel? Yeah, I'd never heard of it till I moved right? out here. And apparently, at one point, it was called Der Wiener Schnitzel. Der, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they they dropped the Der. But and that me one... being a Jew, anything with a Der in front of it, <laughs> I, 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 I have to get away from. <laughs> yeah, the uh, that one across from what used to be NBC, and I used to work at NBC. We would go there because the, that one serves beer, and they right. they all don't. I mean, I think a lot of them actually don't, but that one does. So that was always a great excuse to, uh, you know. There was the El Torito across from NBC as well. And I used to see Vanna White and Pat Sajak in there drinking. (laughs) And I don't know if it was before their show or after their show. I think either way, you know. But it was interesting. If you got to spin the letters. uh, uh, Well, you referenced a little bit about your your backstory. And, uh, you know, a a mutual contact of ours, uh, Michael Branvold, who does the KISS podcast. uh, Shout out to Mike Branvold. Yeah. He, uh, you know, we were texting back and forth because you mentioned that you knew me yeah. and uh, I helped them get Dennis on their show even though you know it was a, it's a show about kiss but right. they still they, they talked to plenty of other people and so he uh, he called you the sex tape king yeah do you think that the <laughs> king is fitting for for um, what you've done and and explain sort of how you got that title you know perception is reality as they say I That's think true. the sex tape <laughs> king would be Larry Flint I always like to pay homage sure homage or homage to um, to uh, Larry Flint because if it weren't for him and and the Jackie Onassis pictures back in the day right I don't think we any of us would have any interest in a lot of this stuff uh, and then obviously years later was the Pam and Tommy Lee sex tape which was put up by a friend of mine named Seth Warshawski mm-hmm. he owned a company called Club Love and they were out of Seattle that was kind of how we kind of cut our teeth and learned what to do and what not to do when it came to celebrity sex tapes and then years later the Pam and well, the Paris Hilton sex tape gets shopped to me. Yes, and, and what, uh, what what was your background that it got shopped to you at that point? Okay, so my background was I had initially 
I did a myriad of jobs when I came out. I was selling Howard Stern advertising. I was selling Lan Wan phone systems. Uh, I was a CLEC, which is like a, a, a local exchange carrier for the phone company. I was just doing all sorts of stuff. And then uh, I got in the adult business and I was marketing a bunch of different things from penis enlargement pills to hosting companies. Uh, I partnered up with a porn star by the name of Houston. I don't know if you remember Houston, but she did the 620-man gangbang. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I've heard of Houston only through the Howard Stern show. Right. And I'm not going to pretend that the only porn I know are people. But <laughs> the, the the personalities, I mostly know right. because they were guests on Howard. Yeah, right? she was a huge guest yeah. on Howard. And that's kind of what leads me into this. Um, so she did 620 men in one day. Which who hasn't? Well, you know, let's be honest. <laughs> and 621 would have made her a whore. Yeah, but 620 makes her a star. Right. So that makes her a star. Uh, forget that they had to pack her in ice for two days afterwards. I, like I, I don't even want to think about um, that. <laughs> but we went on Howard Stern to promote um, her labia surgery. She actually had a labiaplasty, which is something I never heard of. Uh, if you don't know what that is, go look it up on the internet. It's... Uh, Pretty graphic. But I would imagine. She had her lady parts trimmed and made smaller. I said, this is a great thing. We should probably broadcast your surgery live on the internet. I bet you people would, would tune in. We'll go on Stern and we'll blow this up. And what time period is this? Because, you know, on the internet yeah. now versus... It's hard to know, find a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And, and also just, you know, the connection, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, watching streaming video. I mean, I remember watching the original South Park short that uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone did. as basically of Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And it was like... It was like, eh, it was like, I was going to say it was the size of a postage stamp, but that's, that's a lie. It's smaller than a three by five index card. Right. And it took forever to load. Yes. Watched it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen, but it was like, you know, it took forever yes. to even watch those like four minutes. So well, when I, was this? I'm you... so glad you bring this up because you're a techie guy. So you understand this. Yeah. So this was in 1999. Okay. And in order to procure the enough bandwidth for the onslaught of, of viewers that we thought we'd get after being on Howard Stern, I had to bring in like 10 dedicated servers. And right. at that point, we're talking huge expense. It was $150,000 wow. to get the right bandwidth. Now, we were way off as far as the bandwidth <laughs> needed and the amount of people that came to it. Because one thing I learned about pussy is that men love it, sure. but they're not gonna pay $29.95 a month to see it being mutilated live on the internet. Yeah, I They're mean, not. not not surgically mutilated. No. Maybe, maybe yeah. <laughs> right. You, you might maybe. be able to knock it out, but you're not going to yeah, mutilate it. Mutilated by Lexington Steel, another personality I know because right. of the Howard Stern. We're dating show. ourselves yeah. again. I know, it, it, but I think he's still with us, right? Or he he is. just he's not active. He anymore. is. I actually had a sex tape years ago that I got sued for that actually included oh. him in it, but it was reported to be somebody else. And we'll get into that in a oh minute. Oh, my gosh. Because yeah. there's a lot of legal stuff, yeah. obviously, that happens. I was served with a subpoena this morning. I'll talk to you about it. Oh, my too. gosh. All right. Great. So, so Houston and I go on the Stern Show. She had recently had the labia um, taken off. And we went there with a lucite, like, it looked like a little trophy, with the lips <laughs> suspended okay. in the middle of it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Hired two giant black eyes with handcuffs on a, on a briefcase that came in with suits. And literally, we had this giant... You know, uh, it, it was all for show, obviously. Right, and this is this is 1999, so this is Howard still entered it terrestrial, terrestrial radio, radio, but he had the E show at this point. So Correct, there were cameras. Correct. Yeah, so yeah, and there were about 25 million terrestrial listeners. So every time we plugged uh, Fetish Hotel, which is where the uh, thing originated, the website just would blow up. But mm -hmm. on the day that we actually did the surgery. It was a big flop, oh, no. huge flop. And um, so what happened because of it was I became known as 
the guy, if you wanted to get the word out about adult stuff, right. hire KB. He's the greatest PR guy. He's going to get you on Stern. He'll get you on E. He'll get you at all the places. So that's what made me a destination for that. And then all of a sudden, a friend of mine from Seattle calls me up and says, hey, man, I just got shot this tape. Right. But I'm not really allowed to own a computer or bill via telephone. The FTC and I had a little... <laughs> problem. And I said, okay, what does that mean? He goes, I need you to meet with this guy, Donald Thrasher. He's a roommate of this guy, Rick Solomon. Okay. I'm like, I don't know who these guys are. Sure. He said, well, do you, do you know who Paris Hilton is? Nope. Don't know who that is either. Because at that point, I mean, obviously she ends up on TV because she becomes famous from this. So yeah, right. I mean, sure. The, obviously you've heard of Hilton Hotels. Yes. Maybe people are familiar that, you know, what is her grandfather, Conrad Hilton? Conrad. Yeah. But you don't, you don't know Paris. You don't know Nikki. Yeah. No, and, and, and funny enough, like it turned out that she was friends with people I knew, some penthouse pets and they would hang out and I, they were bad girls. I mean, we're talking about girls I knew who were heroin addicts and <laughs> coke heads and she hung out with that rough yeah. crazy crowd. And um, they said, look, this girl Paris Hilton, she's going to have a show coming out soon on Fox. It's called The Simple Life. Um, she's going to become a big deal, and she's really hot. I said, okay, so do you want me to meet with this guy? Yeah. So we meet, and we offer the guy $50,000 up front and a third of the back-end profits. What could go wrong? Yeah. Right? Right, well, exactly. I'll tell you what could go wrong. I got sued for $10 million okay. uh, by Paris Hilton. I got sued for $20 million from the the her parents, then I got sued for $10 million by Rick Solomon. Now, the good he, thing... He's, he's the one in the He's video. in the film. Yes. And the thing that people have to understand about celebrity sex tapes is if you don't have the rights or the permission by the two copyright holders that are in the in the video, right. say you and I make a sex tape, which, which nobody's going to buy. No, but, you know... And we, we don't go that we way. Could, yeah, but, you know, look, if somebody wants to buy it, we right. could at least consider it. You uh, know? Well, it's the black, <laughs> blat on black. If we could, yeah, <laughs> once you go black, you never go black. Once you go... Wow. <laughs> hey, I think we... I, I was just going to say ding. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, so theoretically, the, sure. Theoretically, you're a 50% copyright holder. Right. As I am. Right. And in order to put that out legally, there's a legal document called USC 2257. The 2257 is what's on every jewel case that you'll ever see of porn, any DVD sleeve. And I know kids, you're like, what's a DVD, right? right. <laughs> um, but every jewel case would have this documentation, which basically says there's an office that has the documents showing that everybody's over 18 years of age, which right. means a copy of your ID, and your release, which means your rights of publicity-wise, you could only use Christian Blatt's name right. in entertainment. It, you own that mark and you trademark it. Right. I can't infringe on Christian Blatt. I can't say I have a Christian Blatt sex tape. Right. Or I'll get sued by your people. Because My people I, are very litigious. Well, so, that's what I yeah, hear. Yeah. That's what I hear. So... Um, yeah, so the, the rights of publicity we did not have. We did not have the rights from Paris or Rick. Donald Thrasher maintained that he had the rights to shop at for Rick, his roommate, which right. we learned later on he did not. But again, the people that were behind it really didn't want to put this out. They wanted it to be like a shot in the air, like a warning. Yeah. Because that's what Seth Warshawski did with Pam and Tommy Lee, who, by the way, to this day, never made one dime on their tape. Most was people it, think they did. Was it sold commercially? Like you it could, was. Yeah, it was. Okay. A Vivid put it out under a different name. It was called S&J Video, okay. which stood for Stephen and James. Those were the two partners that basically put and it out. And when it was marketed, it said Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, so. yeah. And again, they would have been infringing on the yeah. rights of their names and everything else. 
This got held up in court for a little while, and then Pam, Pam and Tommy Lee, this is the funniest part about it, they said, you know what, we're just going to drop our suit because nobody's ever heard of this internet. We don't yeah. think this internet's <laughs> going to be anything anyway. Right. What do we care? Exactly. Boy. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. So um, so that's what initially happened. And um, So the, the Paris Hilton one does come out because uh, I uh, very happily can report that uh, I was able to uh, buy that with a uh, corporate uh, card for NBC. For research. It, because it was research. Yeah. And we all needed to see it. Yes. And uh, so how does it go from that point to actually coming out where I could purchase it okay. for the company, for work? <clears throat> well, if you remember, the first tape uh, that I got a hold of was a green-tinged X-ray vision tape. That she was in a bedroom right. having sex with Rick. And uh, in the middle of the sexual tryst, she gets a phone call from Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit and answers <laughs> the phone. And she's like, oh, Fred. I mean, you up. know, if Fred calls, you don't want to keep him waiting. Which, by right? the way, they're back. Did you see they just played the Troubadour Limp Biscuit the other day? No, night? I didn't realize yeah. that. I'm not... Uh, I'm not I, a big Limp Biscuit. I'm not, fan. I'm not a Limp Biscuit fan. Yeah. And by the way, just complete tangent. I didn't realize what that term meant until yeah. the episode of Silicon Valley where they explained it like four times. A Limp Biscuit? Yeah, I had no idea that that's what it was. And what I'm is like, it? What is it? Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad you asked. I'd like to know. I've explained this several times on the podcast, and it's been about a year since I've had the occasion to. So it's a, I guess it's a, as like a fraternity initiation. So already you're going to know there's some questionable sexuality involved. There's going to be some gay stuff involved. Yeah, definitely. So uh, you, uh, you, you get a biscuit and you have like a, a circle of guys, which already, you know, you're already starting to get into to territory where it's like, what exactly is this group of guys that you hang out with? Uh-huh. And everybody uh, takes a turn. Everybody jerks off onto the biscuit. Okay. And then the last one to come has to eat it. I think I've heard of this, but yeah. it was called something different. Yeah, and uh, and then the uh, the the joke in Silicon Valley was uh, the character Jared speaks up like, or sometimes it's a Triscuit, you know, just uh, so. And I'm assuming just, what makes it limp is that it's it's so wet. S- yeah, yeah, it's saturated. Yeah, it's saturated. Okay. In, in, uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. That, so now you know. See, and I've just been <laughs> horrified. And so the fact that the band is called Limp Biscuit, I'm like, yeah, that's about right. That's kind wow. of what they are. And you know what? You probably couldn't. <laughs> tell that story like on MTV to Kurt Loder or whatever back No, there. no. Kurt Loder's a great guy by the way. I like Kurt he, Loder a lot. He actually said that my movie that I started in 2006 was his favorite movie of really? 2006 American Cannibal. And that's something else we'll talk about. Okay. Later on. I want to get back to yeah, the yeah, question. So, let's get back to the, so, yeah. so so what happens is I get sued for 10 million and 20 million. The good thing about getting sued for almost 40 million dollars is if you don't have $40 million, yeah. you don't get too worried about it. That's true. Right? I was more worried. <laughs> Did you have about, one? <laughs> uh, I didn't even have that. I was yeah. living in La Costa. I was a preppy kid in San Diego playing golf. None of my neighbors knew I was working in an adult right. until the news trucks pulled up and all the bluffs <laughs> around me. And all of a sudden, I became the porn king of La Costa. So that was where I cut my teeth. I, I ended up going. And here's the funniest part. I get credited. And I, I think this is this could be factual. It could be factual. Okay. I get credited for sharing the very first viral video. And the very first viral video was the Paris Hilton sex tape. And this is the, the green night vision. The green tinge x-ray vision. I sent to Mark Malkin over at E at that point. Okay. And he was working at E. And I sent uh, another clip to somebody at Entertainment Tonight. And those two people sent it to their editors or their producers and the higher-ups, and they shared it with their people, who shared it with their people. Right. Who, and then all of a sudden, there were millions of people that saw this thing. <laughs> right. So lo and behold, I get sued. Everybody's suing each other. Rick's suing Paris. Paris is suing Rick. 
everybody's in this free for all. I'm shitting my pants because I don't have a dime to my name, and I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to have to hire a lawyer. I don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, I dodged service from um, Lavely and Singer, which is the biggest law firm in L.A. for about four months. I would just jump out my back window and I'd run. Every time they'd knock on my door, I'd run. (laughs) Um, So this all unfolds and everybody's suing everybody. And I'm going to give you a little exclusive here. So uh, Rick, at some point, while he's not talking to Paris and they hate each other, calls up Paris and says, look, everybody's making money on this thing. I just went to a website in Australia that's claiming for $200. You get in the members area and our tape's in there. And there's nothing in there. So all this fraud is being, (laughs) you know, is being facilitated everywhere. So he convinces Paris to go to the Four Seasons and shoot another tape. And they're not together at this point. They're not together. She's with Nick Carter, by the way. Okay. (laughs) This is who she's now in love with and having sex with. Yeah. They go and he convinces her to do another tape that she'll have final cut. And if you notice in this tape, it's beautifully shot. Yes. It's well lit. She's wearing boots that go up to her knees. Um, If you notice, it's not very graphic. I mean, there is a pop shot at the end, but it's not anything that's horrible. And there's no close-ups of any female genitalia. Honestly, that's true. I didn't uh, so I didn't you, think of that. If you go back home and you do your research again <laughs> yes. on NBC's credit card, uh, you will see that um, now it's free. How yeah. funny is that? Yeah. Now yeah. it's all free porn. Now I can just get it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's what happened. So they went and they did another tape. They've never admitted this publicly. They probably will never admit this publicly. Right. But I also know they're never going to sit for a depot because they'd have to talk about all this. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I like Rick. Rick. Rick the Dick has become my friend. We call him Rick the Dick. Uh, his nickname, For obvious reasons. Yeah, his yeah. nickname was Scum. It still is Scum, <laughs> by the way. Um, so they shot that. They, they put it out with HotelEras.com. Red Light District Video put out the actual tape called One Night in Paris, yes. which became the number one selling sex tape in the history of adult. And, you know, the interesting thing was, of course, uh, we were watching it, a group of us mm-hmm. at work, and uh, my coworker uh, said to me that, like, that Paris... There's like something about it. She's like, he's, I remember it stuck with me. He said, she's classically beautiful. Classically. Yeah. I mean, just there's something, you know, it's that quality that, you know, like, sure. Look, she's done like actual movies now and yeah, she's not much of an actress, but just physically what she looks like, it is sort of like the, the classic, like movie star, good looks basically. And so the fact that you're watching her in this hotel room and yes, I was like, wow, this is really well lit. And I didn't know any of that backstory until you just told it to me. And I was like, wow, they, when, they make a sex tape. They really make a sex tape. What's really funny about it is my brother was the first person I knew who knew how to capture and stream video online. Right. So my brother gets hired to encode and put up the video on a hard drive. And I remember watching the raw footage. In the background while they're having sex, there's a commercial for the movie Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> and you hear Snoop Dogg, who's Huggy Bear, go, right. I know some people who know some people who rob some people. <laughs> Which dates the tape. If yeah. you hear it, my brother had to X all of that out. He had to basically mute all of yeah. that. So that was the time period. If you look up when Starsky and Hutch yeah. was out in the theaters, this is when all this went down. So that happened. Uh, needless to say, I got paid to go out there. Now now I was retained by Red Light District Video because they're like, dude, you did such a great job basically calling this girl a whore everywhere you went. <laughs> that we want you to do more publicity and keep it rocking. And I said, okay, great. The best thing I did was when I went on Howard Stern Again. Right. So they call me at four o'clock in the morning. Stuttering John calls me. And he's like, uh, we want to talk to you about the tape. Great. I get on there and the deal I had made with the guys in Seattle was every time I get sexbrat.com mentioned, I want $1,000. And every, <laughs> every time I get Howard to say sexbrat.com, I get 2000 
Great. That, by the way, that's a that's a smart deal. That's that, and you know, if you translate to what advertising cost on Howard at that right. point, that's a steal on the two thousand for him saying it. This yeah. is also the reason why they now have a plug sheet, and they don't <laughs> allow you to do what I did. Yeah, I said sex bread twenty eight times, and I got him <laughs> to say it four. I, I remember they they came to me. I wrote on a little memo card next to my my uh, lamp. I was staying at the Sheraton Universal, and I was half asleep. And I just said, when, when all fails, just say sexbrat.com. Sexbrat.com, because that's where we broke it. Yeah. And uh, I just remember they come out of commercial. Like, we have Kevin from sexbrat.com. I'm like, cha-ching, there's two grand, right? <laughs> I'm like, good morning, Howard. How you doing? Uh, yes. They go, so you have a pair. I go, well, sexbrat.com did have the video of Paris Hilton, but sexbrat.com had to take it down. I said, well, why is that? Well, Gloria Allred sent sexbrat.com a cease and desist letter, and sexbrat.com wants to maintain that this is legally, and sexbrat.com did nothing. And this goes on for like five minutes. I'm going, they're going to have to cut me off at yeah, some point. At some point, they're going to say, you can stop saying it. It kept yeah. going and going. And it's actually on YouTube if you Google it. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna watch that. You will yeah. have, you'll get such a kick out of it because it's shtick. You know me. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Ninety percent of what I do is shtick. The fact of the matter is, every time I would see myself getting uh, quoted as the celebrity sex tape broker or as you said, king. Yeah. Um, it's ludicrous to me. It just makes me laugh. I would yeah. see it in the New York Times. I would see it in Vanity Fair. Kevin Blatt, celebrity sex tape broker. I'm like. This is ridiculous. This is the nomenclature. This is my proper yeah. nomenclature now, right? <laughs> so I laugh about it. And my whole thing is getting eyeballs to anything, whether it's After Buzz TV, whether yeah. it's the Black Cast, whether it's my podcast, Blow the Whistle Radio, I'm always trying to incorporate and put in the plug. So this really, I hit, I hit the ball out of the park with this one. And this made me more in demand by other people. Yeah. But what it really did was it made me the destination for celebrity sex tapes. So while I kind of faked it till I made it, all of a sudden Cameron Diaz's sex tape comes my way. Right. Which wasn't really a sex tape. It was her topless leading a guy around in a dog collar. It was her very first modeling shoot downtown. And a guy forged her signature, said that she gave him permission to put it out there. They were in Montenegro. Mm-hmm. Which I had no idea where Montenegro was. I had no idea about any of the Baltic states. I had yeah, I'm no still idea. trying to think of where it is. Yeah, yeah. but there you go. It's yeah. a Baltic state. So like state. Eastern Europe, like Eastern former Europe. Soviet Union. These yeah. people were hiding out there. <laughs> it was a crazy story, but long long and involved. And I ended up getting sued by Cameron Diaz. I ended up helping put this guy in jail. Right. And many years later, met Cameron and Justin Timberlake at the Mondrian. <laughs> I introduced myself to her. She stood up, gave me a big hug and kiss, and told me to join their table. And I just remember like pinching myself going, is this really happening right now? <laughs> so that happened. And then the Colin Farrell tape came along. Yes. That was where the jump off started. Okay. So the jump off starts with, with Colin Farrell. I get called while I'm living in San Diego by a guy saying, hey, is this KB? Yes. <laughs> Kevin Blatt? Yes. You're the guy that put out the Paris Hilton sex tape, right? Yes. Is this a quiz? <laughs> yeah. What else do you need to know? Can you meet me at Mel's drive-in in an hour? I said, well, I live in La Costa. It's going to take me some time to get there. But what are we, what, what are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an A-list celebrity with a B-list model. And <laughs> it's the best sex tape you've ever seen. I said, okay, well, is the A-list celebrity a female? No, it's a guy. And like, you know, guys' sex tapes don't really sell. Unless yeah. you have George Clooney. Yeah, absolutely. Or you have Brad Pitt, maybe. And even then, there's only so many gay men and women, women don't, at this point, women weren't plunking out their credit cards and buying porn sites. That's not what they do. 
Right. Guys want to see hot young chicks getting railed. Yes. Right? So I'm like, okay. Allegedly. From Allegedly. What, I'm what guys tell me. Yeah. So I drive up, me being the whore that I am, I drive up. It takes me two and a half hours. The guy says, look, I'll be sitting at Mel's with a John Deere orange hat on <laughs> by the window. Sure. Come sit down and we'll talk. Great. I show up. Sure enough, the guy's sitting in a John, with a John Deere hat on. I sit down. I go, hey, how you doing? What are we talking about here? He goes, listen, my, my partner's on his way here. Order some cheesecake. I'm like, cheesecake? What the fuck? What am I doing? Who got some else driving for cheesecake? And I'm lactose intolerant. So (laughs) the last thing I want to do is have cheesecake. Just then the guy shows up. He's a big muscle guy. They start talking. They're whispering. And the guy says, did he tell you what we have? I'm like, no. I would like to know what the hell I just drove two and a half hours Yeah, exactly. So they whisper. They said, we weren't prepared to show it to you. But we have a tape of Colin Farrell. And he's with Nicole Narain. Nicole Narain is a black playmate. I believe there's been seven black playmates in the history of Playboy. And she's probably it's the most notable. that there's only seven, by the way. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, interracial porn is probably one of the biggest things on the internet right now. So I think Hugh was really missing the boat. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, what's it, Bob Guccione uh, mm-hmm. had no problem with that, no. I think. Yeah. Or he, Hustler he, for that matter. Well, yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. So, so I'm watching, so they say to me, they go, we weren't really prepared to show it to you. Uh, and we have a Honda. It's a very small car, but we're not going very far. Would you mind getting in the trunk of this car? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. My car's in the parking lot. Why don't I just, yeah, just we don't it. want you seeing where we're going. So we're going to have to put a bandana on your head or on your face, and then we're going to put you in the trunk. And I said, yes. Like, this is how stupid I was at the time. I'm like, I'm such a whore. I want to make money. Yeah. Um, and I get in a Honda, and now I recognize it was probably, it was Sunset Plaza Drive that we went up. It was right next to Mel's. We went up for two minutes. I'm in a house. Yeah. They put this VHS tape in, and there's Colin Farrell with a shaved head, because mm-hmm. he's here filming Daredevil at this point. Oh, yeah. Okay? And he's got a cigarette dangling from his lip, and he's holding a Guinness. And he looks at Nicole, and he goes, oh, girl, I could fucking eat that kitty for breakfast, lunch, and fucking dinner. And I go... Holy shit. Which is better than anything he said as Bullseye and Daredevil, by the way. And I look down, <laughs> and he's got a cock the size of my arm. And I'm going, what the... F- How tall is he? He's like 5'4". Wow. I'm like, does he breathe through this thing? Like, <laughs> like, what the hell is going on with Colin Farrell? Meanwhile, I'm like, good for Colin Farrell, right? Yeah. So then they tell me they want $1.2 million, and if and they have somebody that's going to wire them the money the next day if, if I pass on it. Okay. The next day was Sunday. Like there's not a bank in the world that's going to wear you 1.2 million. Yeah, you got to at least wait till Monday. You don't have the rights of publicity for either one of these people. And I'm trying to explain to them, you know, there's no honor among thieves, as they say. Yeah. So when you try to explain to people, you can't put it out. Next thing I know, a guy in Phoenix named David Hunschmidt, who was my competitor. Mm-hmm. There was actually another guy who did celebrity sex tapes, but well, he did. Somebody hears that that you do it. Somebody right. hears you on Howard Stern, and right. is like. Okay, I can do that. You know, this because guy maybe predated. They have... He predated. Yeah. Okay. He, he did Tanya Harding, and uh, I didn't even know Tanya Harding had one. Jeff Galuli and Tanya Harding. Well, it would one. make sense that Jeff Galuli would shop around. A they had sex a tape. Paula Jones tape when back when she was popular with Bill Clinton. Sure. Um, these were all like I said. I call them celebrities. Yeah. Because they're not quite celebrities. They're just the <laughs> rung below. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that started, and this guy calls me up, and he's like, "Hey, man, step off, Jew boy." I'm like, step off Jew boy. He goes, you obviously don't know who I am, but I'm the celebrity sex tape king. I'm David Hunt-Schmidt. Look me up and see who I am. Turned out this guy was bipolar and nuts. Mm -hmm. And he threatened my life. And at that point, I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not getting this tape. There's no money to be made on a guy's sex tape. So I call CAA. 
and I look up who Colin Farrell's agent is. Right. The next thing I know, I'm on a phone call with the biggest lawyers in town, the yeah. biggest agents in town, uh, Colin's representatives, manager and agents. Because you got to understand, man, when these things come out, there are a lot of mouths being fed yeah. off these celebrities here Sure, in town. yeah, exactly. It's not just Colin Farrell who's going to maybe miss out on a huge paycheck on the next movie. It's all the people from the hairdressers, the makeup people, all the people that are hangers-ons. That need but Colin starting, Farrell. Starting with CAA, because that's that's ten percent. You of, said it you know, of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 exactly. Yes. So so um and, and Colin uh, Farrell's on 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 the conference call too, and he's shooting Miami Vice in, in Florida. And they go, Okay, Mr. Blatt, what, what is it that we have here and what do we do? And I said, uh, Colin, do you remember filming Daredevil in LA and spending time with a young lady named Nicole Narain? And I hear this pause and I hear Ah, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I go, yeah, well, if that's what's going on, they, yeah. got, they got your tape. So I told him who to retain, retain Marty Singer. He's the guy, blah, 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 blah. So that is where this whole other revenue stream came into play. And the light bulb went off in my head. Well, people aren't buying porn like they used to buy porn. Right. Maybe there's some money in helping these people get the tapes back. Right. And, right. you know, I, I've known you for a while. I've known what you've done, right. uh, uh, you know, professionally. And uh, I still uh, read up on it a little bit. And uh, I saw a great quote from Dave Navarro, who <laughs> just raved about you yeah. because you made sure that there was a bondage tape. I mean, uh -huh. this is all public. You know, this is the, he's the one I'm quoting. Yeah. And there was a bondage tape that you made sure it didn't come out. That's right. So I could imagine in theory, and there's probably a lot of things you can't talk about. There's you would think there's more money to be made in making sure things don't come out than actually getting things to come out now because people, you know, what was that Paris Hilton? That wasn't even 15 years ago. It was 15 years it was, ago. Okay, so it was right. exactly 15 years ago. Yes, people still bought DVDs at that point, but right. now it's like your revenue stream for porn is the memberships for the, you know, going to the exclusive areas, but actually having these things. Sure. So I would see that as a uh, fairly lucrative thing to know, like, hey, there's a, there's a sex tape. I know it, it's real. How do I help it not come out? And then right. that's when your phone might ring. And you know, there's also the other side where you have these celebrities that are now on reality shows that they, they want to, you know, get their uh, their star ratings or they want to get their Q rating up by yeah. you know, becoming a household name. So they would also hire me to do that. There's more money in actually making them go away because there's a lot of people in this town who never thought they were going to become famous. By right. the way, you know, yeah. with the advent of reality television, uh, social media, the internet. You know, I thought after Paris Hilton, nobody would be dumb enough to actually film their exploits anymore. But now with Snapchat and all these oh, different yeah. things, it's like crazy how many Tila Tequila, all these people started coming out of the woodwork with sex tapes. So here I thought this business model was going to go away years ago, but it's bigger and better for me than ever, especially in the Me Too movement times. Right. Because last year I got inundated. It wasn't, now it's not just sex tapes. Now it's text messages it's dick pics it's you know pics of people's uh, uh medicine bottles you know oh wow i didn't even think about that oh, yeah charlie right. sheen let me tell you something there was a time where <laughs> charlie sheen was probably sending me christmas cards because he was happy with a lot of stuff that was getting taken off sure. the market uh, but you have to draw a line at some point like i'm not going to help somebody conceal that they're hiv positive i'm not going to help somebody conceal uh, that they beat women right i have a code I'm kind of like Dexter, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know it sounds crazy. A celebrity sex tape broker with ethics. But, no, uh, but I mean, it's like you don't want to help somebody, you know, if if it's like, 
Wait, how old's that girl in that video? Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't. See, I wanted to help Vern Troyer. Vern Troyer sure. is where I kind of drew. And of the course, line. that's mini me. I, yes. I know that a lot of people know that, but there are going to be those who yes. are like, "Who's Vern Troyer?" Yeah. I, I who felt, we just lost recently. Yes, he rest in peace, away. Vern. Yeah. And shout out to Ray Hughes, his manager, who lives up the street here. I um, I was shot that tape. I have to tell you, there's probably been only two times in my career that I was actually taken aback and shocked by what I was looking at. Right. Uh, one was Tom Sizemore's sex tape. The other one was Vern Troyer. Vern Troyer's is interesting because he's three foot six. Yeah. And the girl he's with is five foot six. Okay. And the first 20 minutes of the film, he's going down on her and it looks like a baby trying to re-enter the womb. Like he's just trying to get back in there. And uh, I remember taking it to TMZ because at that point, TMZ was paying huge money just for clips of it. And I lived across the street from there. I actually purposely moved across the street from TMZ because I was selling them so many different stories at that point. I put this tape in and all the editors and all the the news guys are there and they're watching it and they're screaming in laughter and they're just going crazy just watching him like make out with this girl. Harvey comes walking in. Harvey Levin is what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, sure. Harvey looks, he goes, oh my God. And he closes his eyes and looks away. And I go, Harvey, you're missing this pee-pee. You wanna see the pee-pee, don't you, Harvey? You know, Harvey likes that. Um, <laughs> next thing I know, he runs out of the room. He's, I can't take it. He, he runs out. He comes back two seconds later. Okay, guys, I got to see more. <laughs> Can we fast forward? Can we see more? Um, that was really bad. And then obviously I tried to help him, um, you know, make that go away. Right. Uh, you touched on something that, uh, you know, a lot of times when a, a sex tape gets leaked, I'm using the air quotes, you feel like, all right, that's a, a sort of lower level person. And especially what you're talking about with, you know, all the releases that need to be signed and everything like that. Uh, when it is actually the calculated career move of like, well, look what a sex tape did for Paris Hilton, yes. et cetera. So, or Kim Kardashian. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, before that, Kim Kardashian, you you knew Robert Kardashian from the OJ trial. And Correct. that was the end of the Kardashian empire. Right. Because, you know, because Robert had passed away at that point. Right. So... I, I I guess you're right that there probably isn't as much money in that, but I feel like there are a lot of those opportunities that somebody's like, sure, let's try and get the sex tape. Sure. Out there. So how often are those peddled, and what does it take for one of those to be uh, successful? Well, that's another good question. Um, there, how often do they come up? All the time now. Uh, how often are they buried? Probably eighty percent of the time. Okay. Um, you know what really drives the popularity of a sex tape, obviously. These days, I don't watch a lot of the shit that's on television. I don't watch hip, love and hip hop, and I don't watch right. a lot of these urban shows. Not that I don't like them, I just, it's not my, it's not what I'm used to. Right. The Real Housewives, I actually have to look up who these people are these days, because I don't know them. It used to be, these people were major stars, and you had to be famous for some type of talent. Yeah. Right, you had to be a singer, you had to be an actress, you had to be, Paris changed that whole landscape. And that's what made Kim, who was her friend at the time, decide that she wanted to put out her sex tape. Right. And I remember getting a phone call uh, from my friend Farley over at ABN at the time. And he says, look, I want I want you to meet Ray J. Ray J is Brandy's little brother. Sure. He's got the sex tape with this girl, Kim Kardashian. And she's going to put it out for free because she wants to be as big as Paris Hilton. And I start screaming, no, tell her not to do anything. We have to meet with Ray J now. Yeah. I drive out to Woodland Hills. We go to the Cheesecake Factory. This little guy comes walking in. I'm like, Cheesecake again, by the way. Right, Cheesecake. (laughs) It's like this common theme in my life. Um, He shows up. He's like, let me tell you what I got. I got this tape. Me and Kim, we kicking it. Mm -hmm. We on a plane. We smoking (laughs) weed. We go down. And she just loved everything we were doing. 
I'm like, what do you mean by loved everything you're doing? Oh, man. I had her in the bathtub. I'm peeing on her. We're rolling on ecstasy. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> back, back Rewind. You're peeing on her? He's like, yeah. He goes, you think we could put this out? I said, you know, there's this new list called the Cambria list, which was an obscenity list because Ashcroft was the, uh, he was sure, the, John uh, Ashcroft was attorney the, general yeah. at this time. And uh, obscenity and porn were, was really under fire. So we knew that we couldn't do anything that required fisting or, or any kind of pee or anything. And I said, look, man, the people I'm going to bring this to are going to make sure that this is all edited out. You're going to have to make this very vanilla. So I wanted to take him to one to a Red Light District Video, which already had success with One Night in Paris. Yeah, sure. And I figured if that didn't work, I would take him to Vivid and introduce him to Steve Hirsch. Also down the street from us right Also here. down the street. <laughs> um, as it turned out, Kim was really good friends with Joe Francis. Still is good friends with Joe Francis. Of, of Girls Gone Wild. Correct. Yeah. And when Ray J mentioned that I might take it to Vivid, she's like, oh, fuck that. We have a guy who's best friends with Steven. Joe Francis. So they cut me out of the whole deal. Oh, geez. which is why I have no problem telling you she was getting peed on. <laughs> yeah. Another depot which you is could sit one of the, for. Which, by the way, was one of the things that I'd always heard. Right. Is that that was in the video, but right. it's not in the video. Yeah. And Ray J got mad at me when I when I talked on my podcast about it. You know, I was trying to get a little press, and yeah, you know, it's how you do it. You basically yeah, exactly. tell people what really was going down. Um, he got mad. He said, "You better stop lying on me." Well, <laughs> I'm not lying on you, brother. I mean. You know, if, if I don't know, if I peed on Kim Kardashian, I, I would probably put that on the on the top of my resume or on a business card or right. something. I'd probably, you know, I, I would be, I'd be bragging about it. I so. peed on Kim Kardashian. Yeah, I mean, it's because yeah, it's not like, you know, Ray J went on to become Tom Cruise. Right. You know, it's, uh, it, hey, listen, that's a, still his claim to fame. And, and his song still is, I hit it first, right? <laughs> he true. hit it first. Uh, <laughs> before all those professional that's athletes, right? right? Before <laughs> half of the N NBA. So, you know, getting back to Dave Navarro. So, you know, what's funny about Dave Navarro is um, I'm a huge Jane's Addiction fan. Same here. Yeah, Book, I love Booked Jane. him at Peabody's, the, the club I was telling oh, cool. you about in Cleveland. Uh, I was there when Perry Farrell broke his leg on the Nothing Shocking Tour. Like, I'm a huge fan. I would bump into him all over L.A. Right. And be like, Dave, such a fan of yours. I worked with you in Cleveland. And he could not give two shits. Like, literally, it was always cock blocking sure. at the Playboy Mansion or we were in a right, club. Right, right, right. And he'd be like, you know, piss off. And I was like, wow, I was so crestfallen that Dave Navarro wouldn't talk to me. All these years later, I'm in this crazy movie called American Cannibal, which is about reality television in 2006. Keep in mind where we were with reality TV back then. There was, there was Survivor, and that was pretty much it. Maybe Big Brother. But Big Brother, I think, that, too. But that's almost it. Yeah, and, and, by and the, the, way, re those, the real world yeah, was on. Those are, those are both. So those first two were on network television, right. and then MTV had had real world for a while at that point. But yeah, I know there, there wasn't... You know, I don't even know what used to be on Bravo. Like right. I can't even. I think it was West Wing reruns. It was a point. gay channel. Was Originally, it, really? it came out. It was a gay channel. Bravo was marketed to gay men. Really, and they had a lot of gay programming, like RuPaul, and, and I, th I think there was some other stuff that came out. Uh, or Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. I think yeah, that's right. Bravo. That was their. You're right. That was their big show. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> lo and behold, these two TV writers that were pitching sitcoms all over the place decide that they're going to come see me, the Paris Hilton sex tape guy, because they heard that I wanted to get out of what I had been doing and I wanted right. to finance. A reality show and they came to me with a couple ideas one was called starvation island which they were going to put a bunch of people on an island with no food no clothes no shelter and so wait this was the fire fest <laughs> so funny you say that because now people are like dude you were fire fest way before fire fest right yeah um so it was basically a lord of the flies type of scenario and they said we're going to put them on an island that was inhabited by cannibals british new gambria I'm like, I never heard of this place. I'm yeah. Googling it. It doesn't exist. Okay. It was actually an island called Vieques 
off of Puerto Rico, which is where we shot this thing. So there was no food, no water, no shelter. Whoever lasted the longest might have to live with a cannibal family and eat human flesh. And we went across the country and we did auditions. Yeah. And there was no shortage of people that wanted to become famous. They just felt there's something on the other end of that lens that yeah. once they become famous, they're going to become rich or happy or whatever it is. Well, that was the one idea. And I kind of was like, eh, I don't know about that. And they said, well, the other idea is right up your alley, KB. It's called virgin territory. When you win it, you lose it. Eight medically verified male virgins in a house with eight porn stars in the San Fernando Valley for two weeks. They can't touch themselves. They can't touch the porn stars or they're prematurely ejected from the house. And we're going to have a series of challenges. There's the STD spelling bee. Yeah. Can you spell gonorrhea or chlamydia? I know I can. Very hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the blue ballroom. You know, there are all these different things. I'm like, wow, this is brilliant. Yeah. All the literature in the house is pornography. All the channels that they turned on was pornography. And they, like, again, this was like, you can't jack off or you're Yeah, you're destined to fail. Yeah. And I love the idea. Yeah. But I thought it was too porny. So I, I opted to do Starvation Island. Okay. Uh, which I'm not going to give away what happens. I want you to see the movie. Yeah. I'll have to send you a DVD. Oh, I, I would I would love to it's see it. It's on this. Amazon Prime, by the way. Okay. But this became the biggest documentary in 2006 at the Tribeca Film Festival. I ended up getting more press than Tom Cruise did for Mission Impossible 3. <laughs> because, again, going back to that shtick, my company that put out this movie had no money for promotion. So I said, I got an idea. I'm going to send a cease and desist letter to Robert De Niro and Jane Rosenthal. These are the purveyors, basically, of Tribeca. Right. Threatening to sue them if my movie comes out for <laughs> violating NDAs I had with Paris Hilton, Colin Farrell, and Cameron Diaz. Again, here I am using the rights of publicity. Right, of course, yeah. Right? For my benefit. Yeah. And infringing wow. on theirs. So that's what happened. And it, it blew up. It was great. The reason I'm telling you about American Cannibals, all these years later, I'm presenting at an adult uh, film awards thing. And I'm backstage, and Dave Navarro's there. And he's a presenter as well. I'm dressed up, I'm with Jesse Jane, the porn star, and all of a sudden, he comes over and goes, KB, KB, bro, I saw your movie on Showtime last night. And I'm looking, I'm like, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> Dave Navarro? He's like, bro, I fucking loved American Cannibal. I called everybody I knew to turn it on. It was on like at two o'clock in the morning. Right, right, right. I go, who put you up to this? Yeah. My brother tell you to come over? You don't, you don't know the history I have with you. Yeah. He goes, bro, take my number down. I'm like, what? Gives me his number? Okay. I'm like, bro, you don't understand. Like, I'm a big fan of yours. I like you. He's like, man, we're going to hang out sometime. Give me the number for that IFC chick, by the way, that's in your movie. She's hot. <laughs> okay. He says, I have a documentary that I want to put out. It's all about the uh, the killing of my mother. He put out this doc called Morning Oh, Sun, yeah. No, I, and that did come out. Which I, is fantastic. I've heard him talk about it, but I've never seen it. Fantastic yet. movie. It's very sad, but it's about his mother's death. Mm. Um, so he gives me his number. Not even two weeks later, I have somebody call me up and say, I've got a video of Dave Navarro in a dress, full makeup on, being flogged, tied to a tree. And I'm like, hmm, I have an idea. <laughs> so I called him up and I'm like, Dave, you're going to be so happy you gave me your phone number. <laughs> and that's how we became buds. And we're still friends to this day. Good yeah. guy. I love Dave Navarro. And I'm, I'll assume that there are a, a number of those things that you can't talk about. How often is there one that's going to be really bad for the person. And I don't mean like, oh, you know, they're, it's going to be a problem for their marriage or their relationship. You know, what you just described for Dave Navarro, look, people that like Jane's Addiction, and he was in the Chili Peppers at one point, yeah. they're pretty open-minded, but that's probably that's definitely going to be, people aren't going to be able to look at him the same way. Yeah. And how often is something that's just like, wow, this is really, really bad for the person? I, I'm shuddering to even say this because I'm scared of the repercussions, but for 
purposes of publicity and everything else, I will say this. And let's just say allegedly. Yeah, of course. Even though I think I know 100% it's her. A year ago, I was shopped a tape of a woman who is now married to a prince. Okay, sure. In England. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was from her old life. She was a model. She was an actress. She shot with a photographer. They had some oral sex. They had some stuff. This tape was laying around for four years on someone's cell phone. She, right. was, she really wasn't a big star. No, nobody point. knew who she was. And this woman Allegedly. came out, a third party came out and said, I have a tape of this woman. I want to put it out. This is a week before the wedding. Right. And I'm Which, going, you know, n- not a bad time if you are going to strike right. with, uh, with that kind of a tape. It, yeah. It's funny how criminals have great timing. Yeah. They just know. <laughs> they know. This is the time we need to reach out and do this. So I go to my lawyer and I tell him what it is. The lawyer talks to the woman. We basically ascertain how she got it. You know who it is, the dates, it all matches up. Yeah. I reach out to her lawyer. The lawyer is poo-pooing the whole thing and saying it's not her. Because mm-hmm. we know what you're calling about. It's not her. Mm. We know the guy trying to shop it, blah, 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 blah. It's not her. I said, okay, great. And then I hang up and I'm like, wait, how would he know who the hell's shopping this? Yeah. And how would he know it's not her yeah. if he's never seen it? Right, exactly. So I'm like, this guy's full of shit. <laughs> So I still maintain that that's who it was. Right. Uh, I will say that there was another tape I had. It was Johnny Carson. Wow. Yeah. Now, there's a reason why they call him the king of late night. <laughs> okay. Just like Colin Farrell. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the guy that brought it to me said, uh, I got a tape of Johnny Carson. He used to like to film his exploits. And he filmed all his ex-wives. Did you know he was married to three women named Joanne? I knew that there were multiple, and he was married more than three times. Though. He was married yeah, five, four, six, four, okay. four or five, I believe. Yeah, okay. Uh, I didn't realize he was married to three women named Joanne. Though, Incredible, because I had to figure out and vet which Joanne this was. She had a right. bouffant hairdo. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> Early 70s. Yeah. He had an eight millimeter camera, mm-hmm. and he would film poolside. You know, he's, he's fucking, he's getting head, he's this and that. And I'm like, whoa, how the hell did you get this? He's like, well, a friend of mine owned a uh, film lab. In Fullerton, and I guess Johnny used to go down there years later when three-quarter-inch Umatic came out. Now, most kids aren't even going to know what that is, but that's the precursor to Beta right, and that's VHS. The, and, and huge, huge. Professionally, yeah. uh, well, not now, but in the 90s, you would still get the three-quarter-inch tapes. Like, uh, like SNL had their old episodes on right. three-quarter-inch tapes Correct. That, you know, when I was an intern there. So, right. yeah. So it was... It was a. It's. It is technology that I'm actually familiar with. Yes, and it's technology that when you have to find it to yeah. show it to somebody. I mean, thank God we live in L.A. because yeah. I was able to find this archaic machine to put yeah. it in, and we digitized it. We brought it to the family, the the trust of Johnny Carson, and uh, they did not want to play. You know, yeah, the nephew, who's the sole heir, does not want to play with this kind of thing. Said, so "I'll sue everybody." Yeah, uh, you don't have the rights to it, and I knew, of course, we didn't have the rights of to course, it. Of course, yeah. But again, even if you don't have the rights to it, Christian, like. If I come on your show and say, I'm going to break a story about the Johnny Carson sex tape, well, just the mention of that's going to get you traffic. Yeah. Right? And, right, it's, exactly. and it's newsworthy. You can't sue somebody if it's a newsworthy situation and you're there's no malice behind what you're doing. Right. You, ha- you haven't uh, shown it. We haven't played a clip from it. Right. You know, it's, you're right. just talking about it. Yeah. So from that perspective, it, it's very lucrative for a lot of adult sites or sites that just want traffic to say they have this. Whether it was Perez Hilton or TMZ, this is where the money comes into play. And that's why people pay lots of money to use a newsworthy story like that. Right. And are there a lot of, obviously the technology was so different, but are there a decent number of, you know, old films of 
you know, famous people from, you know, not even, you know, 60, 70 years ago, but, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Are they, do those somehow materialize, you know, later? It could be somebody cleaning out a box of three-quarter inch yeah. tapes and be like, what the hell is this? Well, I, again, I'm not going to say yes or no because I did not see this, but I have a client... <laughs> that I've been dealing with for seven years, and he's crazy. Right. He lives up in Visalia, which is up by Fresno. And he had maintained that he was a bodyguard on many film sets, and the guy's got one of the largest collections of <laughs> artifacts from movies. And he showed me two film canisters. One says RFK, mm. JFK, wow. MM. Okay. All right, so you do the math. Yeah, that sounds like uh, if there were to be a holy grail of these sort of things, that would that would be it. Right, yeah. and he, he's purporting that this is a threesome. Yeah, of all three of them, and I, which again, who has a threesome with their brother? By the way, Come it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, my brother and I never did that, so we yeah. might have been in the same room That's with different a little, girls. It's a little different. It's yeah. more of a foursome, but <laughs> the lights were off. Um, so yeah, that was something I didn't see the actual contents of the film. Right, but canister. you saw a film canister. But why would somebody that... have something laying around that has yeah. that? Granted, you could put a piece of masking tape on yeah. anything and write that. The other one said Walt Disney, <laughs> and when he told me what that was, I was like, I don't believe it. Yeah, this is another Michael Jackson kind of scenario. Okay, sure. And I'm like, I don't know if I believe this. I don't want to get involved. Yeah, I don't even believe it's real. The guy's a con man. So again. He just recently reached out and called us because he had both of his feet amputated from diabetes and he's okay. broke and needs money. And now he's like, now I want to sell it. Yeah. Well, this has been going on for almost seven years. Every yeah. other week, he's like, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. No, I don't want to sell it. Then he had uh, Secret Service toss his place one day mm. because there was an article that came out about it. Some of the shit that I get involved with, Christian, is so fucking hairy. I mean, I got a subpoena this morning. Yeah, you, you had mentioned that earlier. What yeah. can you say about that? All I could say is there was a, a situation last year of a comic, a very tiny comic, mm -hmm. tiny black comic. Sure. It was a huge box office draw. Yeah. And he was having sex with somebody who wasn't his wife. I think we, we've, in Las heard, Vegas. we've heard of things like that with right. uh, with someone that might match that description. And sure. I, had, um, I had dealings with the person who was trying to sell it. I was trying to buy it. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, this person went rogue mm -hmm. and released it and notified the wife and all hell broke loose. Yeah. And that is a crime called extortion. He, oh, yeah. He wanted $5 million for this tape. And he basically threatened if he didn't get it, he was going to ruin this guy's life. And uh, as it turns out, we thought it was a hooker that he was with. We thought it was one of the girls. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. Really? It was somebody in his posse. Well, that would make sense, especially yeah. guys who end up having, you know, larger entourages. Right. You know, I you mean, know they, they get jealous. They see, you know, the guy's buying a Bugatti, he's buying this, he's jetting in private planes, and the guy's promising you uh, roles in his movies. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they get bitter because, you know, he has and you have not. Right. And, you know, you're making me think about the fact that maybe because the technology was so different at the time, like, I don't remember anybody that seemed to have a larger uh, entourage than maybe like Eddie Murphy. Right. And, uh, you know, in his heyday. Or Hammer. Back yeah. in the day. Oh, well, yeah, because Hammer had, yeah. Hammer had, yeah, he, he like won an award and there'd be like 20 people on stage. Right. None of them were on the record. That's right. <laughs> they, they were just all there. And yeah. we've all seen the Hammer house uh, from uh, behind the music and all that. So, yeah, you know, Hammer, I would say, had a bigger entourage, but maybe because his star didn't burn bright enough, long enough. Right. Maybe that's why nothing came out on Hammer. Yeah, he employed a lot of people at one yeah. point. Um, so I got involved not that long ago. This is funny. 
Uh, next month, Rolling Stone's doing a feature on me, and it's all about what I do. Wow. Uh, where I come from, how it all started. Everything we're talking about right yeah, now sure. is going to be out next month. So I have this writer named Amanda Lewis, and she's following me around for six months. During this time, I get called up by some girls who allegedly have a sex tape of Oscar De La Hoya. Wow, okay. Now, this isn't the first time I've seen anything on Oscar De La Hoya. So I'm like, oh, no, he's off, he's off the wagon again. Yeah. And he's probably dressed in women's clothing like the last time. <laughs> I uh, meet this woman at a coffee bean. She shows me this video, and it's very disturbing. And right. it involves kitchen utensils. Okay? Wow. I'm talking like a kitchen whisk. Yeah. Uh, a spatula. Mm-hmm. Like that's the real Antimima treatment right there. <laughs> and the girls are, are off of some website, I think, called Seeking Arrangement. Uh, he has them over his condo in Pasadena. He's running around out of his mind. Sweating, yeah, and let's just say I have an idea of what kind of drug he was using, yeah, yeah, and yeah. uh, <laughs> well, you know, th- there's a there's a lot of uh, flu going around right now, right? He just had a runny nose, so, I, I was yeah. just doing my Don Knotts yeah, imitation, right, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, in the video, the girls are having fun with um, sticking the whisk in an area that is the only place that could receive a whisk, yeah, on a man outside of your mouth. Right. Yeah. No. Definitely. That's that's, it, that's the only nice way I could basically it's say it's not it. a particularly whiskable place, but uh, you know. So I reach out to Golden Boy. I reach out to his people, his former lawyer. This is what I normally do to vet one of these things. I'm trying to help him because yeah. I have the girls at bay. Like, hey, if you want me to help you, yeah, pay my retainer. Let me get this off the market. Right. Nobody needs to see this. Right. Right. No. Definitely. Your kid doesn't need to see this. Your ex-wives don't need to see it, even though they probably know what you're into. The company that made the whisk doesn't want this to get out. All I'm thinking about is. The poor people that sleep over Oscar's house, don't ever let Oscar make you eggs in the morning. <laughs> you might get pink eye. Oh, if you're a house if you're guest. lucky, that's all you get. But anyway, I reached out to everybody. Nobody called me back. And I'm like, well, how do I get out and get his attention? So I basically sp- speak to Univision, mm-hmm. Univision and Telemundo. Mm-hmm. And uh, they come out and interview me. You know, sometimes we don't even realize the reach of Latin America or, or just Latin households in general. 80 million people see me get on this show. Yeah. Swelter the sopa, spill the beans, talking about this. And they're hysterical. They can't believe that their their hero of the Latin community has a whisk up his ass running around his his, his apartment. So I just basically try to tamp it down and say, okay, there's kitchen utensils, there's this and that. Next thing I know, I'm like, I'm waiting and I'm waiting, I'm waiting. My fiance, my ex-fiance calls me up and she says, uh, hey, there's some cops at the door. <laughs> they want to talk to you. I'm like, cops? She goes, I'm scared. I don't want to answer the door. Yeah. I'm like, well, what do you mean? She goes, I think they're FBI. They're wearing glasses and they're in suits. Wow. Yeah, those aren't cops. Those are FBI. Yeah. Open the door and put me on the phone with them. Yeah. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, Sarah, did you do anything wrong? She's like, no. Like, what are you worried about? I get on the phone. I go, guys, I know what you're there for. Meet me at the coffee bean in Studio City. I'll be there in 30 minutes. I then call Amanda Lewis, the writer for the Rolling Stone. Thing. I go, hey, meet me at the coffee. <laughs> yeah. You want a story? I got a story. I got a story. <laughs> so she shows up, the feds show up, and uh, they're interviewing me. I'm telling them how, where I met the girl and what happened. And then I go, by the way, this is Amanda over here. She comes and joins us. They're like, who's this? I go, well, she's the writer from Rolling Stone. She's doing a thing on me. I thought this might be a good thing for her to observe. Yeah. They're like, oh, no. She's got to go. <laughs> and she's like, well, I'm going to get a, a FOIA expert, and I'm going to get all the information. And they're flipping out on her. Like, we yeah. can't talk. This is an ongoing criminal investigation. Right. So this is all going to be detailed in this in crazy the Rolling article. Stone, yeah. This is the kind of stuff. I've been involved with uh, 
law enforcement sure. a few times, as you can imagine. Uh, yeah, as I could imagine. You know, earlier you talked about how in the age of Me Too, the uh, the content that people don't want to get out has changed. And right. It does include uh, text messages and things. Uh, do, do you feel that... Uh, we're at a point where something, well, maybe not one year ago, but say five years ago, something that if it broke, would be like, all right, well, that just that just happens. Yeah. You know, are the standards so different now? One hundred percent. That something that you didn't bury helped bury five years ago. Now somebody's coming back around. You ask and, the best questions, Christian. Well, you should I, do this for a living. By I way. should. Yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. Uh, the, he, honest to God, I do so many interviews. You actually have asked the best questions of anybody. Uh, that's me. Funny enough, dinging my own bell. Funny enough, years ago I had received a video of Justin Bieber, and he was singing a song that was one of his songs, but he changed the lyric. It was "One Less Lonely Girl" was the name of his song, mm-hmm. and he changed it to "One Less Lonely N Word." Oh, do you remember when this all came out? I, I, you know, this sounds vaguely familiar, actually. Yeah, he had, um, unbeknownst to me, he had suppressed this three or four times and spent right. hundreds of thousands of dollars to make this go away. Yeah, he was by the sixteen way, or seventeen. To, to be fair, money well spent. You know, if there's something well, you want to bury, you would think so. Yeah. I remember showing it to my partner too short, mm-hmm. and short goes, "Man, if this thing ever comes out, he's dead. Yeah, his career is over." So again, they suppressed it. The management, the agents, everybody who was sucking off that tit, yeah. basically suppressed it, and then it came out. Because I will say this: somebody always keeps a copy, no matter what I do, no matter what I try to do. And there's lie detector tests involved. There's all sorts of stuff that yeah. get involved with a lot of these high, you know, high people, uh, very famous people. Um, it came out, and Justin Bieber is bigger than ever now yeah, in this Trumpian point. era that we live in, mm. uh, where people are saying the most outrageous things. I don't know if it's that we're that racist in this country that we don't seem to mind that a pop star was singing about the N word when he was sixteen, seventeen. Yeah. Or I don't know if it's just the fact that um, people just excuse people. I think it's the news cycle. It's the delivery methods that we have now. The RSS feeds, the TMZ, the uh, radar onlines. We're getting inundated with so much information on a daily basis that literally two days later, you forget. Yeah. Have we forgotten that this Khashoggi guy was chopped up into little pieces by the Saudi Arabian government? Well, I mean, you know, you mentioned President Trump, and he he believed uh, K- KSM. Is, no, no, that's not who that was. What's what are they? What's the nickname for MBS? The, yeah, I got I got my right. I got I was my say IBS. I, I got but my that's something else. Yeah, <laughs> MBS. He's like, no, no, no. He told me he didn't he didn't know anything yeah. about it, so I believe him. Yeah. Um, and because you mentioned President Trump, I uh, think it's a, a great time to ask about uh, a tape that allegedly <laughs> exists. Yeah. That. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, things that y- you could believe that, especially when Donald Trump was, you know, a millionaire businessman who obviously has a decent track record of running around on his wives, uh, you know, all sorts of things he was up to. Uh, but the idea that there might be a, a P tape, right? Uh, when you hear about that, uh-huh. uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's. I don't know if there's anything to it, or right. w- what can you say about about the fact that allegedly, allegedly, this exists? Well, you know, it's been reported that there was this tape of the girls peeing uh, all over this bed. Yeah, that supposedly Obama slept. Correct. In. Yes. Um, and people have said that there's compromise, which is uh, you know compromising footage of somebody in Russia, right? Blackmail. I have assembled a group of investors right. who are dying to buy this. And I put out the word to numerous people that if it exists, I would like to buy it. Yeah. 
I have yet to see any proof that that actual tape exists. I'm not saying that it probably doesn't. I think where there's smoke, there's fire. Obviously, this was part of Christopher Steele's dossier. Yeah. I believe that, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. There, there had to be something to it. Right. Now, there was another tape that was talked about about a year ago, and, and this came up in the congressional hearings with Michael Cohn last week, and not many people understood or picked up on it. But one of the congressmen had asked about AMI catching and killing stories, and they asked him if he knew anything about a tape of an elevator, an elevator tape. Okay. About a year and a half or two years ago before the election, supposedly a lawyer representing somebody who worked in a monitoring station that monitored elevators in New York City, the cameras, had a tape of Donald Trump pushing around Melania and getting rough with her in an elevator, leaving some kind of divorce lawyer's office. Sure. This is what was told to me. They came to Harvey at TMZ. The asking price was $25 million. Harvey was like, that's way too rich for my blood, but I'm yeah. going to talk to the higher-ups at Warner Brothers and see if we can do something. Well, I guess the Warner Brothers poo-pooed the whole idea. Sure. There's no way you could put on a ledger $25 million expenditure for what? Yeah, what exactly? Yeah, you know, you, you can you can break up the funds, move it around a little right. bit, but $25 million is, uh, right. yeah, that's, that's a little rich. So then I heard it, it made its way around to Fox, it made its way to AMI, and then the next thing I know, it's no longer for sale. Nobody has seen it. Right. Nobody knows if it really exists. I believe because of the amount of people I ended up speaking to afterwards who heard the same story, I was then told a Russian oligarch bought it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'd buy that. I would buy that Fox or AMI bought it. Sure. Before a Russian, a Russian oligarch. oligarch. Yeah. But it's feasible. I don't know. Again, once again, I don't know if this is real. It might be not real. Right. But. I've spoken to some of the biggest journalists in this country, and I'm happy to say, like, you know, I've got really good relationships with the Wall Street Journal. I've got good relationships with Vanity Fair, Ronan Farrow, all these people. Um, they call me because I'm kind of like the guy, I'm the man about town that yeah. kind of hears these things and sees these things. Um, so, you know, one thing about starting off in porn and doing celebrity sex tapes kind of got me into this whole different area. Yeah. Where all of a sudden I'm an expert witness in the Hulk Hogan case. I'm, uh, I'm and being you, called. You, you didn't have anything to do with that tape. No, thank right. God. But yeah, which is. My the, old lawyer did though. The tape of Hulk Hogan and Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. Heather Clem. Yes. Correct. Uh, then wife, by the way. Then wife. I believe he's moved on. Yes, he uh, has. Yeah. And so has Hulk's wife. So yeah, because I, I did see that uh, in, in the article I read about you and it, I, it didn't seem like yeah, you were involved, but no. you were called as an expert witness. It got chopped originally to a bunch of people. My friend Nick Ritchie over at The Dirty got it. And the original tape that I had, he was using the N-word profusely. Which I do remember hearing about Which that, is yeah. why they really wanted to suppress it. It wasn't so much about the sex. Yeah. It was about preserving the daughter's career, his career, you know, all his WWE and WWF. Yeah. Um, he did not want this coming out. And again, it was a hidden camera. He did not know he was being videotaped. Right. Which makes an invasion of privacy. Why Gawker Media would ever put this on their website is still the most incredibly stupid thing I've ever seen happen. I mean, th even if their legal counsel is, you know, a first-year law student, they would say, you know, you can't put this up, right? It's obscenity. Yeah. It goes back to the, the law I told you about 2257. Yeah. They didn't have that. They felt it was newsworthy enough that this thing was being shot that they could put it out there. At the time, I was using a lawyer... Um, who is known for being in the gray area. You know, there's some lawyers here that are black, some are white. Then there's gray area lawyers. Right. And this gray area lawyer and I had done a lot of deals together under the guise of helping a lot of celebrities get their stuff back. 
Well, a lot of people also thought he was a blackmailer. What he would do was blackmail. Right. And I get this all the time. People are like, well, how is what you do not blackmail when you take something off the market? It's called copyright you know, acquisition. Yeah. You, I have a 50% copyright holder. She wants to sell her rights in this. Would you like to buy the other 50%? Yeah. That's done all day long, by the way, whether you have a cartoon yeah. or you had a movie, it's done all day long. But in this particular case, the lawyer decided to jump on a plane and have a meeting with David Houston, who was the lawyer for Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan in the hotel. And uh, Hulk was very upset. And he was pissed off. Yeah. And the lawyer was a little, you know, scared that uh, he was going to get crazy with him. Yeah. And just when things start hitting that crescendo, the fucking doors come barreling down and the feds are in the next room. <laughs> and they think they have him on extortion. Right. Which starts a whole nother thing. Because, you know, you can't get on a plane if you're licensed to do law in L.A., Go to Florida. Yeah. There's a thing called Pro Hoc Vice. You have to use another lawyer's uh, license in that state in order to practice. What he was doing was going outside of the comfort zone. Yeah. And they nailed him. And that started a whole thing with him that ultimately brought down Gawker. Yeah. They got sued for $140 million, went out of business. Yeah, Gawker didn't have anywhere near that money. No. You know? Yeah. No. So everybody went bankrupt. The owners, Nick Denton, and everybody, they all went bankrupt. And uh, now it's changed the landscape because now, if you notice, TMZ has gone to—they've gone from breaking stories like that to now just doing love and hip hop uh, and, and like rappers <laughs> with face tattoos that you've yeah. never heard of. That's a great point yeah. because they're not going to sue TMZ. They want press. Yeah, right? no, and, and I mean, there's obviously that market there. Uh, you know, you referenced that was it two two five seven? Yes. Blah. Uh, how long has that sort of thing been going on? Because obviously it, it was it's it's an infamous uh, series of events that uh, Tracy Lords made adult films when she was underage. I was Is just going to say when was, that happened. Absolutely. Okay. I, I, God, you are so good at this. You well, need to do this for a living. I, I'm going to try. You know, <laughs> uh, but because you know, obviously, I. I know that the, those tapes existed at one time, yes. and uh, they uh, obviously they would be illegal were they to now. But I just didn't know if she was able to have enough fake paperwork right. and bypass that. That's kind of what I was wondering. Well, you know. I, I know a lot of people that went to jail, like the old guard of the porn business. In fact, I was with a guy last night who's from that age. Yeah. A lot of guys went to jail just for carrying that video in their stores. Right, yeah. Everybody had to get it off the shelves. Once it was learned that she was 16 years old doing these movies, yeah. 15 and 16, that was it. And that's when 2257 became implemented. It became implemented because of child pornography. Right, which obviously is a is a whole different area that you you uh, you know certainly need to stay away from. Uh, and I, I could imagine... In the age of, you know, a four-part documentary on Michael Jackson, and I don't even know how many hours the R. Kelly one is. Yeah, uh, four. The, yeah, so the uh, these allegations exist all the time. Yes. Is, you know, all in hypothetical. When that sort of thing comes your way, do you, do you need to immediately go to the police, or what exactly happens at that point? I, I, have, to, I have to say, I've never been shopped anything. That really, child related. I, I just because the assumption would be that it I exists. would for sure. Yeah, I would yeah. for sure go yeah. to law enforcement if I saw something. If I saw abuse of any kind, right? Whether it's an animal or yeah. somebody beating up a woman, absolutely. In fact, like I was talking about the Me Too stuff, and this is going to be you know documented more in the article. If I even see something that remotely looks illegal or is off putting to the point where I have to like flag it, I will flag it. But there's a lot of girls that come forward trying yeah. to 
get back at the people who told him, I'm going to get you a modeling contract. Right. I'll get you my next movie. Yeah, I mean, supposedly R. Kelly was helping women, you know, young women uh, get into the music business. There was, there was a story a year ago with uh, Paul Marciano, the owner of Guess, okay? And uh, Kate Upton had come out saying that he did some nasty things to her. And then the minute she went public, there were all these other girls that jumped on. They piled on. This happened once before when I was working with the Tiger Woods mistresses. Back right. in the day, uh, Tiger Woods had about three girls he actually slept with, mm -hmm. and he paid them all to go away. Right. It wasn't until later on they saw this Rachel you could tell got paid all this money. Then yeah. all these girls came forward saying, oh, I did a bachelor party for him. I stripped for him. And he, yeah. he did the same thing to me. There were like 17 ministers. Three of them actually were with him. Right, sure. So that happened with Paul Marciano and Mohammed Hadid and a bunch of other people I was dealing with. And my job was to go out there and just vet what these people had. You know, because obviously I want to work on the side of, uh, of good and not evil. And, you know, look, these guys might be guilty of doing stuff or stepping out on their wives or, or yeah. fiancés or whatever. But what they did was hardly criminal. It wasn't rape. You know, I would say to these girls, did you save your underwear? No. You have no DNA? No. Did you go to the cops? No. Right. Did you go to a shrink? No. Did you tell any of your friends what happened? No. Well, if this was such a bad thing that happened, and again, I'm not taking anything away from survivors of sexual sure. abuse. Sure, they might not tell anybody, they might right. not think to save anything. But and it does happen. Yeah, absolutely. But usually when you're dealing with powerful people in Hollywood, you're going to talk to somebody about it. Look, yeah. I was hanging out with famous people last night, and I told four people I was hanging out with all these people. Yeah. Are you going to tell me that a girl who wears guest clothes or, or was shooting for guests all of a sudden didn't tell her friends? Yeah. I mean, come right. on. Right, exactly. You know, so that happens a lot. Uh, I had a lot of that last year. I will say that Weinstein and Spacey and Brett Ratner and Tavis Smiley and uh, um, uh, who was the other guy? Ken Kingsley uh, from uh, the Gary uh, Shandling show, Larry Sanders. Oh, uh, 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 he played Hank. Tabor. Yeah, Jeffrey Tambor. Tambor. Yeah. All these guys, a lot of them are just guilty. Well, there's a lot of bad guys. Weinstein was a bad guy. Yeah. Spacey was a bad guy. Ratner was a bad guy. Tavis Smiley, Aziz Ansari, um, well, Aziz Jeremy Ansari, Piven. Yeah, Aziz Ansari went on what was a bad date. Right. And, and the girl, after the fact, seemed to think, like, I don't think I really like that he guy. He just didn't get any pussy. Yeah, right. You know what exactly. I mean? So all of a sudden it became, oh, yeah. he, he's a bad but guy. If somebody goes on a good date with Aziz Ansari, then right. break that story. Right. Because that'll be, that would actually be interesting. Right. Know? So I am, uh, I'm an advocate for a lot of these people because I, I get... The whole fame machine. You get it, too. You've been yeah, around famous people sure. out here. You know that there's a lot of people that just want to go along for the ride. They want exposure as well. And then there's other people that are just bad people that yeah. just want to jump on and ruin people's lives. And I really don't believe that Jeffrey Tambor was that bad of a guy. Again, I don't know because I didn't work with him. Right. But I heard a lot of stories. I, I don't believe that Jeremy Piven is a bad guy. I think these guys are guys who love women. They might not be... Uh, smooth right. in their approach. It might yeah. be a little rough around and, the edges. And you do run into that a lot with uh, older guys. You heard right. uh, allegations uh, against Dustin Hoffman. You, right. know, you hear a lot of these things, and it's you know, it goes back to the different world of even five years ago, much less 40 years ago, where you could talk a certain way around a woman and not really think about, like, oh, I'm in a lot of trouble now. Listen, I had a situation where a girl came forward to me, and she, she was reading about all the Me Too stuff. And she said, hey, I was reading about this one actor, and the same thing happened to me. I'm like, oh, really? She goes, I was 16 at the time. Right. Well, when was this? This was 30 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay? 
I go, what do you have to corroborate this evidence? And she shows airplane tickets, and she saved everything. Okay. But at the end of the day, the whole problem really came down to, is anybody going to believe this woman? Yeah. How was her life affected by this? And I know this is going to sound horrible, and a lot of the listeners are going to like roll their eyes at me, but a 16-year-old girl 30 years ago versus a 16-year-old girl today. Yeah. Would you say there's a difference? I would say there, there's a lot of differences, yeah. In the 70s, when my babysitter was 16 years old, I think every 16-year-old girl I knew was dating a guy that was 25. Yeah, I went to I went to high school with uh, there there was the one girl, you know, right. nice nice girl she would talk to you whatever, but yeah, her boyfriends were always in not like 19. No, right. they were like 25. I just remember old guys picking up these girls yeah. that I was in love with in high school. Yeah, it was up, exactly going, the same what situation are you doing with where grandpa? I'm like, I'm like Oh, okay. So I'm not even going to, you know, I'm not even going to put it, I'm not going to get in on that at all. I'm not right. even going to try. Right. You know, let me look somewhere else because. So I'm not going to justify it and say, well, you know what? 16 year olds uh, looked way more mature, uh, but they did. It was a different day and age. Now, you know, 16 is a kid and it, yeah. it's, it's not even something you could conceivably even like argue is okay. It's not okay. Yeah. But again, we lived in a different era back then. Look. When I went to high school, I never heard about any of my students getting uh, having sex with my teachers. Right, it had to have been going on in in my high school. There was the uh, allegation yeah. of one, but you know what? the The guy never uh, confirmed it. Right, and uh, apart from like a really awkward conversation that the the female teacher had with that guy's girlfriend, right, there was never any indication. Oh, there might be something to that, you right. know. And yeah, I think. And so you know, I was in high school the the early to like I graduated ninety four. Okay. So like in the early nineties, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that uh, it, that it happened. You know, again, I think with the advent of the internet and seeing everybody else's stories and what's been going on, it's more prevalent now than ever. But it had to have been going on when I was a kid. Yeah. It had to be going on when my parents were in high school. Sure. It's just you never heard about it. Uh, so, yeah, there's this stuff that comes out later on in life. And, again, I don't think it's really cool. Uh, you know, this happened with Kevin Hart a couple of weeks ago. People started going through old tweets. Yeah, I was going to mention that earlier when you were talking about things. That, you know, and, again, the instance that timing is everything. There yeah. was a, a relief pitcher, I think, for the Milwaukee Brewers. I forget his name. He was pitching on the all in the All-Star game. Right. And while he's on the mound, all of a sudden, ding, 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 ding. Oh, look at all these old tweets where he used the N-word, where he oh, was yeah. like 14. Right, right, And right. I'm not saying that it's okay to do that. Right. But it's also like, oh, yeah, you know, if you're even any degree of a public figure, maybe you don't want to do it. Yourself. Just, you know, give somebody a couple hundred bucks. Like, right. you just go, or here's a better idea. Delete your fucking Twitter. Yeah. Maybe start a new one if you really feel like you need it for your brand. That's a better idea. You know, just just get a new one, you know, right. and just get rid of it. And sure, people can find things, but don't don't make it so easy for them. Right. You know? Right. Uh, so you've referenced a couple of times that uh, you do a podcast with yeah. uh, Too Short. In fact, I got to go meet him right now in about uh, five minutes. Right. Minutes. So w while we wrap it up, uh, tell us quickly how you know Too Short okay. and how people can find the show. This is the greatest story ever. So my brother and I... The other Blatt, Darren Blatt. Yes. No relation. Also not related to me. Also not yeah. related to you. But related to you. Right. We're the Blatt brothers. Yes. B-L-A-T-T. Yes. And my brother and I worked in the adult industry for many years. We threw a party called the Players Ball, which was a pimp and hoe theme party in Vegas during the AVN Awards or CES back in the day. Right. So people would get dressed up as like pimps or the porn stars were hoes. It was a fun time. We had Snoop Dogg. We had Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick and Cypress Hill and all, our, all the legends yeah. of hip hop. 
Darren and I conceived a party that we thought people would like bit based upon what we liked. Yeah. We liked hip hop. So we do a show in 1999 uh, in New Orleans at the State Palace Theater, and we booked Too Short, Kid Capri, and Slick, Slick Rick. Short shows up, and he walks through the side door, and he sees two white boys dressed in full pimp like regalia. <laughs> he looks around, he sees people getting blowjobs, and people are fucking in the VIP area, and he's like, yo... What is going on? <laughs> now, this was the same weekend as the Bayou Classic. It's a football game between Grambling and Southern uh, Mississippi. Okay. It's blacker than a thousand midnights in New Orleans <laughs> that particular weekend. Okay. And again, that's not racist. That's true. You just It's just called being mildly observant, it as, is as my boss says. so black. Let's put it this way. If Two Shorts 11.59, this weekend was 3 a.m. That's yeah. how black it was. <laughs> so he comes in and he goes, yo, uh, there's people having sex out there. Who's in charge here? I go, hey, man, we're the promoters. We're the yeah. Black Brothers. He goes, oh, I was told two black brothers yeah. were throwing this. We're the black guys. I'm like, no, it's the black Blatt brothers. brothers. Yeah, I'm K Bizzle, and this is D Money, <laughs> Darren Blatt and Kevin Blatt. Good to have you. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was told it was two black brothers, and it was for this Bayou Classic game. I go, we are black, man. Assalamualaikum. <laughs> he looks at me and falls out, and he's like, man, I don't know who you guys are or what you do, but how can I be down? Because yeah, he right. loved porn. Sure. And he's seen all his favorite porn stars naked on stage. So from that moment on, we became friends and we've had him back with Digital Underground and all these other people for years. And, you know, if somebody had to tell me that all these years later, I'd be friends with yeah. Snoop Dogg and Too Short and Slick Rick and Dougie Fred and all the be people. Be real. I, be real. All the guys yeah. I grew up listening to, I would never fucking believe that. Yeah. But we became friends and uh, I took Amanda, the, the writer from Rolling Stone, down to meet too short after I took her to Don Magic Wands house. That's a whole other story for another day. Right, which and, I, I will want to hear. Because you'll be I'm reading a huge about that. Fan of Don Magic. Oh Wand. Yeah. boy, what a day this was. Yeah. So uh, two shorts down there, and, and he had a podcast a year ago that was really good. Had a Ice Cube and Snoop and all these guys on it, but they discontinued doing it because it was on Podcast One. It just wasn't a good fit. They were a little dirty. I, I might have some background uh, with that company. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know from them. Yeah. So it was. They were very dirty. They couldn't get advertisers. So he said, "Fuck it, we're not going to do it anymore." So he says to me in front of the writer, yo, KB, why don't we do a podcast, man? You and I, yeah. chop it up. We always have funny lunches. We're always laughing about yeah. shit. I'm like, let's do it. So Dash Radio comes along, Clinton Sparks, who was another guy I grew up listening to, and he says, we got this radio station. It's an internet-based station. It's free. There's no subscriber fees. And we're kind of like Sirius XM. We've got a lot of content. Love to have you on. Be Real's got a channel there. Snoop Dogg's got a channel there. Uh, DJ Paul from Free Six Mafia's got a, a, a show. Dave Faustino from Married, from Married Children, Children. All has right. a show there. Yeah, it's a mix show where he basically has hip-hop mixers on all the time. Right. Great guy, by the way. I've heard that, actually, from oh, people who've worked with him. Yeah. He's the best. He was on my show. We had some incredible discussions. You know, I said to him, Roseanne got a reboot because they went back to the yeah. Reagan era, right? And they're thinking of family values. They're thinking about the different, you know, now that Republicans are in office, they thought that would be a good time to reboot Roseanne. And I started thinking about it. And I said, you know, Dave, the only other show that they could ever bring back would be Married with Children. Yeah. And he told me they were trying to bring it back for the last couple of years. Everybody has signed on. Even at O'Neill. At O'Neill. Well, just because I know he's got, he's got a full-time job, so that's why I would wonder They've if all he... signed on, but Ron Levitt, who was the right. producer's kid, he's dead now. Yeah. The kid is the one who's the holdout, and they can't get this kid to get on board, but everybody else is on board. Oh, that's crazy. Except for the dog. 
Yeah, but you know, the you, dog's can, you, dead. you can get a new buck. Yeah, know, it's Buck's, fine. Buck's been dead for several yeah. years. But yeah, it's a great station, Dash Radio. We're on Tuesday nights from 6 to 8 on Dash Mixtape. And then it, there's and that's an specific encore. time. Yeah, that's specific yeah. time. And then there's an encore replay on Dash Hip Hop X, which goes from 8 to 10 afterwards. Okay, and what I understand about Dash Radio, because our mutual uh, acquaintance, I really don't know him, but Michael Branville, yeah. they do a two-hour kiss show right. on Sundays. But you can't get it. You have to listen when it's on. Yes. So you have to get it while it's in those windows. So some of our shows are on Mixcloud right now. We're in the process of putting them all up on iTunes and Spotify. They keep getting pulled down. And I realize what it was now. Is it the music in them? Copywritten music. And also the dB level, the the decibel level, so low that I guess the sound quality wasn't good enough. So I'm actually having a meeting with a guy who's going to upload all of our shows so everybody could hear these shows. Right. Last week's show, we had Alex Thomas on, who's a a comic. He was on Living Color. He wrote on... uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Sure, he and my friend Stephen Randolph were on another comic, and they—I gotta tell you, man—it's the funniest story I've ever heard in my life. But my friend Stephen talks about his first date with his wife and how he took her to a Bukaki film show. <laughs> now I want to let your listeners Google yeah, what you a Bukaki go ahead and is, go, but you know what? Google, uh, Google it uh, text-wise. Don't Google video right. for it because no, 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 then no. you're going to see something. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. You're not like, going to be able to unsee. Not safe for work. Yeah, definitely not safe. Which, for by the work. way, speaking of Brandvold and speaking of Kiss, I am so impressed that you're such a Kiss fan. I did not know they that just you were... always stuck with me. You know, there yeah. was just something about them, and uh, you know, I, I really, I really, there was a second concert I ever went to. I was 14. My and, first one, by the way. Oh, and you saw them. Uh, and quite a while ago, right? You said, 79. So you would have seen them on the Dynasty Tour, which is what Michael and, and the guys on that show would call Super Kiss. That's when yes. they're at the like the, the, the zenith. It's like everything. Peter, yeah. Chris, Ace yeah. Freely, everybody. Yeah. and uh, But then you also saw them again yes. at the forum the same night that I did a couple but as of weeks much, ago. But as much as you and I both tried to get in, well, I was in Panama, so I couldn't go to the whiskey show. Yeah. As much as you wanted to go to that whiskey show, and it would have been pretty epic to be there. Yeah, I've, I've heard it. I'm so glad that we went to the show we went to. Yes. Because the sound was incredible. Yes. I mean, visually, you can't go to a Kiss show that doesn't have pyro. It's true. Or the lights. I've seen them. I've been lucky enough to see them play acoustic a couple of times because of the level of fan I am. I think it's cool. Right. But yeah, you want to see all of that. The whiskey show, I'm not going to pretend I wouldn't have loved to have been there. They think they did 11 songs. I listened to it. Yeah. Did you listen to it? I did. I've heard it on Sirius. It was okay. It was fine. I didn't think they were cohesive. But just a regular show on that tour. Like, that's the thing is they didn't do like super deep cuts. They did songs from their current set list. Right. From this tour. So it's like, well, if you go to a, a real show, you're going to get all the bells and whistles. And also you're going to, you know, get a longer show. You get like an extra like half an hour. So, And if you yeah. do an acoustic show, you get to hear the hard luck woman and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which those, are not going to play live right, at the exactly. forum. So, uh, and so the podcast you were talking about, uh, it's called Blow the Whistle. Blow the Whistle. With KB and Too Short. Featuring Too Short and KB. And you can find us on social media at Blow the Whistle Radio. Okay. That's what I wanted to make sure we yes. got. And that's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook? Yes. Okay. Yes. And we're going to soon to be a, a YouTube channel because I understand that's what all the kids are doing. Yeah. Right? I think the kids have a YouTube channel. I have a yeah. YouTube channel. We, we use it every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll do something with video. But we have... We have all kinds of people. We have hip-hop people. We have a lot of influencers on. Mm-hmm. People I've never fucking heard of that have 5 million followers, yeah, bro. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about the age we live in of the influencers. Porn stars. Is, yeah. Just... And the beauty is we, we do it live from the Dream Hotel in Hollywood. You've been to the Dream? No, I have not. Oh, that's because you're married with kids. Yes, that would have a big... It's where yeah. all the cool kids go now. Yeah, well, I would definitely not be allowed because I'm not a cool uh, kid. There's three nightclubs. There's uh, the Highlight Room. There's Beauty and Essex. And there's Tau, and then there's also Avenue. So where we are, it's this little alleyway, and all the hot chicks are getting dressed up in their little mini skirts and little dresses and going into the club 
but they like to pop in to our show first. They see nice. a rap legend and yeah. a fat Jew, and they're like, hey, what's going on in this there? Guy, this guy pointing at you, they're like, clearly, if he's hanging out with Too Short, yeah. he's got something going on, so we got to find out what this exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Like, he could be Colin Farrell from the waist down, for all we know. <laughs> well, Kevin, thank you so much for sitting down and being so generous with your time. Bro, uh, this is this is one of the best interviews cool. I've ever had. Because thank you. The question, really the questions were good. I, that I, you know, to me, it should be easy to do an interview because all you got to do is uh, just read a little bit about somebody. Yeah. And be like, oh, here's what I'm interested in. But just talking to you, I I knew that uh, this this was going to be easy for me. You right. know, so uh, I really appreciate it. And, Thank you. Uh, and uh, obviously, we will uh, have to have you back when uh, you know when there's a uh, there's new things, to, new stories to tell. When I get the new the next subpoena for the shit that I talked about on this show. Right. Exactly. When and, Meghan Markle's people start calling me. <laughs> Oops. Did I say that? I, I don't think you said that. Oh, okay. I, you couldn't have possibly said that. Anyway. Uh, uh, well, thanks, everybody, for uh, listening. We appreciate that. If you uh, want to keep in touch with the Blackcast, like I said, the Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. That's the Christian Blackcast, so it's got the D-T. Blackcast.com, the Blackcast on Facebook, at Blackcast on Twitter. Next week, we will uh, dive into the new Captain Marvel movie, and uh, we will talk about that next time on the Blackcast. There you go. <laughs>